This is exactly right. I'm Kate Winkler Dawson, a journalist, author, and podcast host. And I'm Paul Holes, a retired investigator with experience solving some of America's most notorious cold cases. Together, we host Buried Bones, a historical true crime podcast on the Exactly Right Network. Each week, we examine a different case from history and use our years of experience and 21st century forensics to bring new insights into these very old tragedies. Like the time the Sausage King of Chicago's wife went missing in 1897. Don't miss new episodes every Wednesday. Follow Buried Bones wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to My Favorite Murder. This is a podcast. And that's Karen Kilgariff. And that's over there, Georgia Hardstark. Hi. We're the hosts. We're the hosts. This is all planned out super and it's very naturally delivered we're actually reading a teleprompter right now (laughs) it's one of those invisible ones Mm -hmm. so if you were looking at us you wouldn't be able to see it but we can see the words that are scrolling on it steven's actually mouthing the words to us that we have to be saying right now yes steven's in down below the stage in a little half shell the way they used to do it in the operetta times whispering our lines to us yeah we have a little earpiece in (laughs) We're like uh, newscasters, mm-hmm. but Steven is the director up in the control room. Yeah. Breaking news. None of that's true. Breaking news. This podcast is starting. <laughs> in case you couldn't tell. In five. That four. was a ruse. <laughs> the whole thing. It was a trick. The whole thing has been a trick. I think my cat barfed on the couch I'm sitting on. Why? Can you smell it or feel it? Um, I don't want to say feel it, but that's true. But that might be the horrible truth. Yeah. Well, off to a gross start. Yay. How's it going? Really good. Mm -hmm. I'm getting over what I believe to be near death pneumonia, but is probably just a standard chest cold. It's probably the plague. Knocked me out. I didn't get to do anything I wanted to do last weekend or week. So I'm a little bit like when you don't see anybody for four days and then you're all like, everything's real intense. And you forget how to speak to people. Mm -hmm. You've only been yelling at your dogs, probably. I will probably tell you the plot of a sitcom as conversation (gasps) where it's like, and then she walked in the kitchen. It was so crazy. What did you watch? Like, did you have like a thing that you got through the whole time? Um, I did start watching a series on... I have a one of those I won't name the name of it because I don't like it that much but it's one of those uh we have all the British shows apps mm-hmm. um so I watched a bunch of obscure British hmm. procedurals that weren't the best mm-hmm. and also weren't the worst so I that's sometimes I'm in the mood for just truly mediocre television sure and I could just watch a ton of it well you know what I did the other night I was home alone and I was like scrolling and you, know, you can't decide what to watch and like my TV, whatever kind it is, like pop, it pops up all these options. And one of them was YouTube. And I'm like, who the fuck watches YouTube on television? Like, mm-hmm. it's a very foreign thing to me. The children. Yeah. And so I like kind of clicked on it to see like what videos they were like offering. And I got in a deep, dark hole of, <laughs> of men doing 
tutorials of makeup. Yes. I mean, they were fucking famous and they were talking about like the scan, like, like they were talking to these people who watch it every day. Yeah. And they're like, I know this thing happened and people said this about me on the internet, like their stories. <laughs> and like, I looked one of them up because I was like, what happened? <laughs> and like one of them said something kind of racist on accident. Yep. And it was just this whole world that I am not familiar with at all. And now you're like right front and center, like yeah. bring me that drama on that YouTube drama. Yeah. Did you see the one that's the little boy doing <gasps> that insane makeover? Yes. And whoever tweeted it, it was this great short video of a boy who maybe was nine or ten. Yeah. Doing insanely amazing makeup on himself. Incredible makeup. And the person that tweeted it said some fucked up no. thing like, yeah, like, what would you do if this was your child? And all these huge famous people and all these awesome people and cool people wrote back like Samantha Ronson, the mm-hmm. DJ, she wrote back like sit back and enjoy the, um, the life he's going to give m- me as like, as a, you know, business, it, like basically he's yeah. going to be rich and famous. and He's going to take care of me as his yeah. parent. <laughs> and like all David Cross wrote back, throw my Bible away and love him unconditionally. Aww. And all this stuff where it's just like, it's this world where it's so funny when people get onto social media thinking that they're going to like rally their troops right. in one way where it's like no that's not the world anyone lives yeah. in anymore yeah little boys doing amazing like contour kardashian level <sighs> makeup is standard fare yeah and is welcome have you seen the 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 little kids who do the bad ones no like one little girl like was like clearly obsessed with makeup tutorials because she knew exactly how to do everything and she might have been like seven or eight and so <laughs> she just like sneaks into her mom's room and she's like whispering the whole time <laughs> and like starts doing a makeup tutorial and just makes her face look like how a seven-year-old would make think yes. you put makeup on <laughs> and it was just the cutest thing and I think her mom comes in at the end and she's like oh shit I'm like, yeah. I gotta go it was just like so sweet I love it also I can watch uh, because my friend April Richardson's obsessed with makeup tutorials mm-hmm. and makeup herself. So there have been times where she's we, good at it. She's really, yeah, she's, and she's all goth. So yeah. she's all about like, I'm going to wear a blue lipstick and this red eyeshadow. Um, but there was a night where we were started to watch some, it may have been like a Republican debates night or something mm-hmm. where we got into something really tense and upsetting. And then at the end of that, she's like, hold on. And then just flipped on this girl that was just doing this insane, like Susie Sue, amazing eye makeup. Wow. And it's so soothing yeah. to watch someone. It's just like watching an artist draw. A bunch of people on Twitter were like, uh, that I, cause I tweeted about a bunch of people comment. They're like, try the hair ones. I bet the hair ones are so soothing. My niece, Nora, is obsessed with the hair ones. There are two sisters. There's a whole family. Oh, they're like twins or something? They're twins, and then the mother's a hairdresser, so she'll get in there and be like, here's Elsa's hair from Frozen, and here's this, <sighs> this, this. Well, now these girls, they started when they were like 10 years old. Yeah. Now they're in high school. And my sister's like, they're like Nora's friends. That's like she's been watching no them way. since she was little. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, so they get on there, and they're like, here's our first day of school hair. And Aww. then they show you what they're going to do. And they show your mom how to do your hair correctly, basically. <laughs> It's the cutest. I love it. Good for them. God bless us, everyone. God bless us. And good night. Good night. This has been (laughs) YouTube Corner. What do we have? Oh, Oh. you have that email. Oh, I have an email to read to you guys. A real good one. Um, (laughs) It's it's a kind of a correction. It's a clarification corner. Yeah. Is that a new thing? It's called Tip from NYPD. I was just listening. Maybe that should be the whole a whole new area. Tips what? from the NYPD. Great. 
Yeah. Everyone, send in your tips. And this is actually <laughs> a guy who sent us a tip, f- or no, a woman who sent us a tip from a friend who was in the NYPD. So you don't directly need to be... Secondhand tips. Yeah. We're Second- all about it. <laughs> Secondhand tips from those in the know. <laughs> Corner. Yeah, it has to. the source has to be factual and in the know, though. Yeah. Please keep that in mind. But we're not going to do any fact-checking. No, and you that's on you. You don't need to either. Okay. <laughs> Hi. It's really, it's really structured. There's a lot of rules. It's more of a storytelling corner. Yeah. Don't. Just don't. Okay. Hi. I was just listening to you guys explain that you should ask a cop to see their ID and their badge, in which we talked about recently, and wanted to share a recommendation from a friend of mine who was a retired NYPD after 20 years. If a cop, quote cop, comes to your door and you weren't expecting them, you shouldn't open the door. You should call 911 and ask the operator if they're supposed to be cop at your house. Yes. The 911 operator should confirm with the officers and you should be able to hear that confirmation over the police radio through the door. Which is like so intense. And I feel like most people would be like, oh, I don't want to be like, that's intense. That's a lot of steps. Um, if they aren't a real cop, you won't hear that and won't get confirmation. And 911 will know that there is an impersonator at your door. And you'll, it'll be an impersonator. So even if you're like, oh, I went through too many steps, you now have a person that was trying to get into your right. house and you now have 911 on the line. And you know they're not full of shit. And it's like, well, I would be like, well, what if they break my door down? Which they can't do unless they have a warrant. And then, Wait, but then it would be the police. And that would mean if they were breaking your door down, that would mean you were in there with like a hostage or something. I mean, like that's, yeah, they don't break your door down when they just need to come and talk to you. about Right. Something. But if the guy, if the killer breaks your door down, then you're already on the phone with 911. That's right. That's anyway. exactly right. Also, it's not going to happen. I mean, <laughs> what are the fucking chances? Get a new front door if it's that easy. Yeah. <laughs> well, our old front door at my old place was a, like a, a bedroom door. Was it really? Yeah, it was like hollow. Oy. I know this because I fucking patched over it. I, <laughs> but I put a note in it first. But it was just a total hollow bedroom <laughs> door. Wait, and from, what, note, what did the note say? Uh, it was like a wish. Oh. Which I don't do very often, but it came true. I think it said, like, I wish to be mildly successful and very happy. Fucking. (laughs) I don't need to be like extreme. I'm not asking for everything. (laughs) Wait a second. Did you just start a new trend of putting wishes inside doors and patching over? I mean, that's amazing. I think it's a thing of like hiding wishes. There's a wishing tree in Griffith Park on a, um, a path. And someone just puts paper and a pen up there. And there's like a hollow in the tree. And you just drop your wish in there huh what would your wish be it, it tree or door because it's two different scenarios or it could be tree door birthday cake anything oh aren't you not supposed to say well can you tell you could probably say the door i'll wish. tell steven and then he'll tell you okay it could be the, you know because steven's such a gossip like, okay how about because i just told the door wish the door wish you're allowed to say but the birthday and tree you're not allowed to say oh well right now it would be to meet somebody that was exciting that would make me not feel dead inside anymore <laughs> uh yeah so you're not going to meet like a nice what i don't know what's a job that a guy could be that architect yeah a trade like something that's just like you're self-sufficient and you're not your job isn't to judge or rate other people i figured, i always thought mechanics probably were cool who like specialize in a certain kind of like old car and they're like <laughs> the best in their trade or sure. tattoo artists would be fun tattoo artists would be very cool yeah um yeah just like one of those guys you know sometimes you see people fixing the road as you drive by, they've got like a hard hat and an orange shirt. Yeah. Like that's the hottest guy I've ever seen yeah. and will ever see. And he's probably so down to earth. Right. 
Well, well, let's punch a hole in your door and let's get the wishing going. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> um, oh. Let's let's do it in my closet door, which is a mirror. Oh, no. that'd be fun. <laughs> and then you have seven years. Good luck, right? That's the. Um, this is a classic example of if you just tuned in. You have no idea what this podcast is about or why. It's a what the fuck moment for all of you. Don't worry. We'll get to the murder. Don't worry about it's gonna it. It's going to get real dark. So calm down if you're really into dark stuff. Oh, Canada. We have an exciting announcement. Oh, yeah. Toronto oh. specifically, because I feel like a bunch of people in what's a Canada city. Oh, don't ask me. Regina. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of people in Regina were like, oh, my God. And then we we're like, I'll always remember Regina because when I was helping uh, Wanda Sykes, I think it was last year or two years ago. When she had a gala, she had she was hosting the gala wow, at galas. JFL, and uh, we did this really funny bit. But the very end, it was a joke of naming cities, and I didn't know <laughs> Regina was a city I could have named. Yeah, that's basically a joke in and of itself. Calgary, there's one. Um, but in terms of naming, it was like a thing. It just would have been the perfect because it sounds like a dirty it's joke in and of itself. Do you know all I want in life, aside from mild fame, mild success? And extreme happiness is to get invited to a lot of galas with silent auctions. Really, I love them. Do you? And by that, you mean like a big benefit? Yeah, like a, yeah, like a, it's five hundred dollars a plate type of thing. Yeah, but I don't want to pay. No, I'll pay. Well, uh, we can get you sponsored. Yeah, we'll get somebody else. To but pay. I'll buy um, silent auction stuff. Okay, because that's for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm also giving money, so it's like okay to. Oh, I, <laughs> at the last one I went to, I it was a Ronald McDonald House one, and I because I thought it'd be funny on a Guy Fieri like set. Oh, you're pronouncing that correctly. Fieri? Guy Fieri <laughs> set. Oh, Stephen, cut that. Sorry. It's embarrassing. No, no, no. no. It's, um, so, it's so good to correctly pronounce Guy Fieri's name. Well, I met him once and he was really nice. Uh-huh. So I feel like I deserve, he deserves that respect, even though it's made up and it's actually fairy, I think. <laughs> Not kidding. Um, oh, and so I won like a huge, b- and I won because nobody else bid on it. So I got like a cookbook and a big Guy Fieri knife, fairy knife that says Guy Fieri on the side. And it's like the biggest butcher knife. You've, it's like not supposed to be this big. Yeah. And Car- it's intense. A cartoon butcher knife? Yeah, maybe like some hot Guy Fieri hot sauce. Like I won a thing. That's <laughs> so good. But, it, you know, the money went to. It's for charity. Oh, for charity. He is from or lived in my hometown. There was right. one year when Nora was like four years old, and they have this thing where daytime trick or treating in downtown Petaluma. Mm. And we were, I, I was that. taking her around because you get to go into stores and they give little kids candy. I love that. The cutest. And he was there with his kid. Aww. And I was like, I know that guy. This was before his now transition into international fame into Fieri into into Mr. Fieri <laughs> from Fairy to Fieri. But does is that how he pronounces it? He, I think it's Fieri, Stephen. But no one in no one on anywhere else says that. Though, can we get an opening of uh, Diners Dive? Which, by the way, is a f- great show to put on in the background. It's diners I, I don't know why I'm, whatever. I don't know why I'm. Uh, what's it promoting Guy Fieri so hard? <laughs> why am I doing that? I feel like I'm making you feel defensive about this pronunciation thing, which I don't mean to do. No, I feel like I never realized how much I'm his champion. I didn't know. <laughs> We spilled yams on him on stage once, so and he was really nice. And okay, yeah, he does. T- he takes a lot of shit. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. But it's just because he bleaches and then gels his hair and puts his glasses on backwards. And, and he's just a dude. He's just a he's, he's a, a regular dude, dude. dude. He's not a YouTube star dude. He's a dude dude. He's a dude dude that's never claimed to be anything but a dude dude. Right. Yeah. Okay. Live your truth. <laughs> uh, 
We have hats on online at My Favorite Murder. If you want to wear a hat backwards, go to My Favorite Murder shirts. <laughs> but we're going into the announcement. I'm going into I'm going into merch corner. Okay, but we we were just going into. I thought we were doing something else. What I started the other one. What were what was it? The the JFL announcement. Oh shit! I, totally <laughs> <forgot about that. laughs> I thought we were done. I thought we, we have were hats in, online. I thought we were t- <laughs> no, the Guy no. Fieri com- <laughs> corner, we went, and it was done. I, dude, this is probably the most ADD episode we have ever recorded. I am only on like <clears> two <throat> cups of coffee. There's nothing. I don't, I'm taking anything. Today. I d- just feel like I'm not actually here. Right. Okay. Um, Toronto's like shut up about Guy Fieri. Yeah. <laughs> Toronto's like you told us we had something to hear. It was and Guy then you're Fieri. You're not telling us. What we wanted to tell you. It's the pro- correct pronunciation yep. of Guy Fieri's name, which yeah. is Fieri. Also, we're coming to your city, but don't worry about it. Steven, anyway. you have the yeah. actual information. Please okay. give it. Um, the show info, it's at the Sony Center. It's September 30th at 9.45 p.m. Weird. Uh, and it goes on sale uh, Friday, June 2nd, which is tomorrow. Uh, not from recording, but for when it's released. Uh, at 10 a.m. <laughs> Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. And the link is jfl42.com, but we'll tweet it out. So if that didn't wasn't smooth in the beginning, <laughs> the point is we've been invited to perform at the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And so it'll be our first show in Toronto mm-hmm. ever, which mm-hmm. is thrilling. And uh, and then the, and tickets go on sale tomorrow. Yeah. And like, yeah, that's it. going to be fun. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. Guy Fieri won't be there. <laughs> Maybe he'll be our hometown. Do you think we can get him on to be our hometown murder? Yep. Let's try it. Let's just see. Let's just, he knows you. You know each other. Let's put it out in the universe. And let's stick it in a door. Let's put it in a fucking... Let's knock down another, yet another door. Hold on. I changed my, I changed okay. my wish. You can have both. <gasps> Wait. Wait. No. You and Guy Fieri fall in love. <laughs> oh, my God. What if both of them become one? <laughs> so many what if you yams. Date, like, what if? Just let's picture it for a minute. Like you were like, oh, I'm so against it. And like, turns out he's the most <laughs> wonderful person you've so ever met. Look, I'm not against a person that can cook. Yeah. God bless your soul. Oh. Because I tell you last night as I was buying the pre-made <laughs> chicken, rice and broccoli dish that they have at Vaughn's, I was picking it up. Cold just, or hot? You heat it up. Okay. But it's kind of like a, it's a little bit of a deli item. But anyway, uh, as yeah, I was yeah. picking it up, I was just like, this is... This is not how you're supposed to be at this age, <laughs> at this stage. Like I should have learned by now and just have a couple dishes you make for yourself for dinner and be an adult instead of just like, Meh. Eh. I don't believe in it. Meanwhile, Guy Fieri's in my kitchen. He pulls it. He turns the stove all the way up to 12. He throws <laughs> a pan down. He's throwing things like he's throwing things into that pan. The thing of like, I don't have anything in my kitchen. And he's like, I'll figure something out and like pulls things from places you didn't even know you had. And was yeah. just like throws together. I fucking love that. Like he there's he pulls a bag of baby carrots that are all small and gray. And he's like, it takes two minutes to re- to bring these back to life. Yeah, all you do is, I don't know, boil them. Yeah. Vince feeds me a lot because he realizes I don't I won't do it myself <laughs> because I'm not really an adult so I'll just eat like spicy mango from Trader Joe's yes, delicious so he's like he just starts making dinner sometimes <laughs> like without even asking me what I want or like what do I want to do <laughs> yeah this is just happening yeah so it happens and so it's not a discussion what just happens so, so it happens yeah. I'm just saying like that's his thinking it's yeah. like let's just get this going and he makes nice midwestern you know 
family a protein and a vegetable and like a grain or something it's just like oh my god god damn it i know god damn that guy sorry i didn't mean to no i support you well when you and guy are together he and vince (laughs) can have cook-offs i'm gonna have i'm gonna be wearing his sunglasses as a headband in my hair while he cooks me broccoli in a way that's gonna make me want to eat it what if you guys cook together nope (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Karen chop this thing That's gonna be how, why we break up He's gonna give you like jobs And so you're gonna feel like part Oh my god I'm in love with this coupling But I'm immediately <laughs> gonna cut my finger Blame him Start screaming And then go watch NCIS <laughs> Stop talking to him That's a great relationship <laughs> It's gonna be good So the point is MyFavoriteMurderShirts.com <laughs> We have hats for sale I think we're gonna have a hat sale At the beginning of June I don't know just go. There's a lot of shit. It's yes. really cool. So much great stuff. Uh, we cop advice, hats for sale, live show. We were going to plug some pins because we keep getting really cool pins. We were going to plug specific pins. Then we decided, why don't we just plug, go to Etsy and look up my favorite murder pins because so many different people make so many great pins. Those cool enamel ones. Like there's a lot of really cool enamel ones. Yeah. There's a lot of great little, I mean, it's, they're the best. And you can get uh, your slogans and your sayings and, yeah. and it's very cool. And we appreciate all the people that make pins yeah. equally. Yeah. yeah. You're all our guy fears. I mean, except for, no, there's nobody. <laughs> what if I just called the one person I called out was someone mm, I didn't like their pin. There's a little design flaw in this one. No. <laughs> and then we're going to talk about the keepers. Ugh. So this is, we've been, people have been asking us over and over, obviously on social media to talk about these, these things, these things that come up that are true crime. These TV shows. These TV shows. Or like, th- yeah. And the keepers so I watched it. I did the thing where I started watching it in the afternoon and then stayed up all night watching the entire thing. I think I texted you and was like, I'm about to start this. I think we like pl- press play at the same time. Yep, we did. And then we texted for the beginning. And then I think we both stopped because we were both just like so engrossed in it. Yeah. Well, I had to leave. Oh, or you had to leave. I, <laughs> I stopped. We stopped talking. Right. But then I had to pause it. And I was so mad. I had to go to a show mm-hmm. and... I it, all I wanted to do is come back and keep watching it. It was it's the most amazing series about it starts off you think you know what it's yeah. about. Here's how I keep explaining it to people who don't know. Um a nun gets killed in the late 60s. She's a high school teacher. She's a wonderful person. Uh you think that's what it's about. Yeah. And then next episode and the rest of it is priest uh, who was the principal fucking all the little, the, the high school students. Did she get killed? Are they, are they, this is exactly how I explain it. This is not how I explain it. Usually I've had two white wines before I explain it and it's a lot smoother. And you're yelling over music in a bar. Yeah. And, and yeah. I'm yelling at someone who doesn't want, doesn't care about true crime. Right. Okay. So you, you go. Well, no, I mean, it is all that. I think he was the counselor though. Okay. So, so but he was definitely like the, the parishioner. Sh- I don't know. You tell me. Yeah. I'll tell you all about it. Okay. So in, in the Catholic church, <laughs> um, let's start from the beginning. They brought him in. So it's a Catholic high school in uh, Baltimore. All girls. All girls high school. And they bring this guy in as a counselor. And, um, so the girls get called into the counselor's office and it, it the way they tell, okay, first of all, let's just say this. You meet these two women mm. who had gone to that school, were taught by sister Kathy, the nun that got murdered. And they are trying to find out 
her cold case, how she got murdered, why she got murdered, what happened. Because one of them is ha- is having these memories repressed. She's an, she's an old, you know, she's in her 40s. She's a mom and a, w- a wife with the fucking best husband. Am I wrong? He's like the best. Yes, that's a different... I'm talking about those two that, oh, are, that everyone's okay. saying are the Karen and Georgia murderino yes. uh, characters. The actual this. investigate, the investigative, and they're the best they're the best. All you want to do is sit at that kitchen table with yeah. them and talk about this stuff. Kat Solon said she's going to be the redheaded one for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the best thing I've ever heard in my life. It's that woman is so awesome. Ugh. I wish I'd looked up her name, but they're, they're just basically going, we loved our teacher. We want to know. We don't think it's right that she was murdered and that the case went cold. We want to know what happened. And in their digging, yes. they start finding out these things simultaneously, but not not knowing across town, the woman George was talking about starts having uh, her repressed memories start coming to her of things that happened to her. Um, and there, and oh, when she breaks down crying at her table, when yeah. she, after she tells a very detail, I mean, there, these two women who come forward who are the Jane Doe's are so brave. I can't even handle it. Yeah. Because what happened to them, it's the thing, and this is the thing that happens. It's so upsetting when you watch these like Catholic church molestation Ugh. stories. It's the absolute abuse of power and the predatory nature of these priests or who, you know, whatever, whoever the story is about. But in this case, this priest who would pick girls who he knew had single parents. He knew their parents had been recently divorced. He knew that they were maybe going through some stuff themselves. Maybe even already molested, already being molested. So. Yeah. It was like, well, it's almost like if you in the wild had to be like, here are the steps of how children, how, how people pick children get molested because these people have free reign and it's like point for point, the grooming and the threatening and these, it's just so awful. It's awful. And it's the thing of back then, because I think it was 1970, right? I think it was like 68 or 69 when she got murdered. Okay. Maybe so. But it, yeah, but right. it basically in that, yeah, 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 yeah. in that realm, this was back when if he, if a priest called you to his office, you just get up and leave class and go. And nobody around would go, why, why is he calling you mm-hmm. there? You don't need to be alone in an office with that man mm-hmm. or whatever. There was nothing quite the opposite where they had, they had complete power over where children went, what they did when they went like there. Like you were special if you got called to the office almost. Yes. And, oh, and the worst part is that priest found the woman um, who you were talking about. Oh, shit. We should know these people's names. And now I can't remember. But the woman who broke down when she was telling that story, um, she went to him and in confession confessed to him that she had been molested as a child. Right. And that's how he knew to pick on her. And he said she asked for forgiveness. And he was like, I don't know if you I don't know if we can do that. And I'll help you get for. Oh, it's listen. Let me tell you this. As a Catholic, uh, for a long, long life Catholic, sorry, did I yell? Stephen just pulled his thing off. <laughs> but let me tell you this. The way confession works is you go into that box, you spill your guts, and the priest who is, who is there as a, um, as like a, what do you call that? Almost like the, the symbol voice of, of God. God. Right. Yeah. Like- He's there to go because in the Bible it says you ask for forgiveness and you get it. So, and people know this now, but it makes me so mad because in that moment when he said, I don't know if God can, can forgive you, ding, 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 red light. No, that it's not yours to say. Well, You're, how scary to know that he forgives everything and accept this except fucking this. thing that you've 
done. Yeah. <gasps> Anyways, so I think evil. The Keepers is one of the fucking best one documentaries. I am engrossed. I have 20 fucking minutes left and I almost don't want to get through it. <laughs> On that last episode? Yeah. Yes, because you don't want to let it it's go. It's like seven episodes, I think. And it is just, yeah. The reason I found the YouTube thing is because I needed a break because I was so fucking engrossed and depressed about it's it. It's so heavy. It's so much to like absorb. Yeah. But uh, I will also say this. The person, I believe the director's name was Ryan White. Yes, um, yes. Uh, the one name I remember and kudos to him because in those interviews when people start crying they must have felt a level of comfort talking to him mm-hmm. about this and the the way he conducted those interviews not only when he was talking to the victims did they really share so much of themselves and like obviously feel comfortable enough to express their real emotions which is a very difficult thing to do but then like what later on when he was talking to that guy who is now in charge the baltimore police chief where he was just hearing these things and then going yeah we'll have to look but you saw on his face he was like what the hell is going on that he's being informed about how these cases were were handled in the past and then and then the interview with the guy who's the suspect yes that old dude oh my god oh, oh. and the other thing that drives me crazy of course because this is our fucking thing that we hate is that the only reason the statute of limitations isn't up on this molestation charge is because they have it's because it's a repressed memory that just came through so if sh- they have to prove in court not only that they were molested but that they just remembered it yes which is must be impossible to prove in itself but how sick is that yeah how sick is that that if you didn't remember it later you you couldn't prosecute you couldn't go after this per- I, I the process the statute of limitations is makes me fucking ill and i think someday we're gonna be if we're if the fucking apocalypse hasn't come already <laughs> we're gonna be i feel like that is changing in some places is, i don't yeah. know about baltimore but yeah, the when they all start going, and it's not just that school or just that specific priest, but there's a part near the end where a lot of people are going to talk about how that need that law needs to change. Oh, good. There's um, a lot of victims, I think, who get um, who get their power back by changing laws, and I think that's a big one. Unfortunately, it's most of those are never retroactive, right? Which is such a again is such a fucking bummer, and it pisses me off. It's insane, especially because. You know, with, with these sexual molestations and even and you know and rapes and all these things, it's like victims don't want to come forward until right away because it's traumatic and it's opening them again. But once they get their strength and are older, but by then, well, it's the crazy part is everything it becomes dependent on a person who's been victimized. Yeah, it's really amazing to having done this podcast for the short amount of time that we've done it like how much I've come to learn and understand about like the victims and the positions they get put in and how much is put on them. So it's like, so no one's going, I mean, not that no one is, but it's, it, it was like, so it's all just depending on whether or not this girl who has been traumatized and victimized and truly like her entire childhood has been completely, ruined and screwed up and and she's just blocked entire things out and all this stuff um but it's all just on her shoulders yeah nothing is on that fucking monster priest well it's that thing of like innocent until proven guilty the the person being accused but the person who's accusing them is lying until proven otherwise almost which is just not it's like i know innocent until proven guilty is a strong thing in our society and it's needed and necessary but it's that that means that the person 
who is bringing their charges is a liar until proven otherwise. Well, when you have those kinds of lawyers, the the lawyers that were the lawyers for the Catholic Church that were defending this priest, uh, I, I I don't know how they sleep at night. I don't, I don't know how they sleep at night, especially after this after the I was going to say podcast after this series where yeah. you're just like the the I, the way they were arguing and the things that they did and said and the fact that ultimately the fact that they are supposed to be representatives of the church yeah it is is just the ultimate hypocrisy and the shittiest just like what are you fighting for yeah. you got to look at that yeah like you you're basically ac- accusing these people of yeah. like they're gonna sacrifice their whole life and credibility for like because they're trying to chisel money out of you i don't think so they can't even come out as their real names or jane doe because they will be fucking attacked by not just the church but people who or Catholic, like it's just every fucking every episode don't skip one there's like a new revelation that's fucking incredible but it's really hard to watch it's very hard to watch and also it's pre-spotlight so like yeah it they were the really the first ones yeah. that that made an actual dent and a mark and i remember but i just didn't separate the cities because i remember the spotlight things happening in boston right but the these ones that happened in Baltimore, they, this Jane Doe, these two women really were the ones that came forward and like started making a dent yeah. at least. I had never heard of it. I mean, it's yeah. incredible. It's an incredible show. Gotta watch it. It's amazing. Yeah. Next week on shows we love, we'll talk about mommy dead and dearest. That's right. I know we owe you guys. Yes. However, the keepers came and it was just like, Oh my, all my attention is here. Uh, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How how much longer do we have? Even seven minutes. <laughs> Is the episode over. Um, who goes first? First questions. Uh, Karen does this week. Okay. Okay. Georgia, is there anything scarier than trying to log into an account? And it tells you that your password is incorrect. And then you try again and it's the same thing. And after a few more failed attempts, big red letters appear saying you've been locked out and your account is suspended. That happens to me all the time, Karen. But scary password stories can have happy endings if you give 1Password a try. 1Password is a user-friendly password management system. It's trusted by consumers, families, small businesses, and large-scale enterprises. If you're tired of being the family member everyone texts for a streaming login or the unofficial keeper of all those shared work credentials, it's time for you to pass the torch to 1Password. They allow for secure login sharing. With 1Password, you can securely store more than just passwords, autofill everything from usernames to payments payment details, and personal info. They'll also notify you about potential data breaches. 1Password saves everyone time. And in many cases, that save time equals money saved. The accounting department will thank you. Don't just listen to us. I mean, you should, but don't just do that. The Associated Press uses 1Password to secure their sensitive information in high-risk areas. Right now, our listeners can get a two-week free trial at onepasswordcom MFM. That's two free weeks at one, as in the number one, password.com mfm onepassword.com slash mfm goodbye all right it's my turn yes it's my turn to shine now this is a suggestion this could be one of our ones where because somebody suggested this to both of us so i was actually thinking as i was writing this i was like what if georgia saw this one too when did they suggest it i can't remember maybe a week ago on twitter Uh uh-huh it's um at Miss New Judy suggested it to both of us. Cool. And anytime people suggest them to us, I open it up and I look at the thing. And Me then too. I'm like, sometimes I'll go like, I should do that. And I never think about it again. <sighs> and sometimes I go, I know that one already or whatever. I've started bookmarking them in my 
So when I'm frantically on Tuesday morning going, what do I do? What should I do? Yeah. You have those ones waiting for you. Yeah. Well, this one, when I opened it up, I immediately was so entranced and horrified that I was like, this is going to be my next one. This sounds fun. So thank you, Miss New Judy, for suggesting it. It's so good. It's John Crutchley, the vampire rapist. Love it already. Have you heard? No. Okay. Clearly, I didn't see that tweet. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So this took place um, around Thanksgiving. uh, It was Thanksgiving in 1985 in Malabar, Brevard County, Florida, which is so Brevard County and Malabar, I guess. I looked it up on a map so I'd know what I was talking about. It's right on the coast. It's on the east coast of Florida. And it's uh, what it's. It's 77 miles southeast of Orlando. So it's basically middle going toward the bottom, but right on the water. All right. So this is what happened. It's Thanksgiving 1985 and a man is driving down the road and he sees a young woman totally naked. Her hands are are, um, uh, handcuffed and her ankles are handcuffed Mm. and she's hopping down the road. Oh, my God. So he pulls over. He gets her into his car and she's totally weak. She's covered in dirt. She's panicked. She points to the house nearby and says, remember that house to him. Honey. Yes. He drives her to his house where his wife is. They call the cops and an ambulance and she gets taken to, to the hospital and the doctors find out that 40 to 45% of her blood is gone. No. Yes. So she has been, and she then tells them the story of what's happened to her. And it goes a little something like this. One, two, uh, <laughs> one, two, three, four. Um, okay. So she was hitchhiking. It's, you know, it's 1985. It, it hadn't been totally um, taken out of our, society yet she's hitchhiking down the road a guy pulls over he's wearing a business suit he's wearing a suit he looks you know he looks like a professional businessman is what she said and he's just very casually is like where do you need to go i'll take you there she jumps into the car as they're driving he goes sorry i just have to stop at my house really quick Uh -uh. jump Mm -hmm. out and roll i mean jump out then because this you're you you've now deviated from the plan like only give them one deviation from the plan i would say and then you're not familiar with your surroundings i mean not that it's either way but then you're not like you're not on your way to the place you want right i know how to get there yeah Yeah, exactly right so they pull into his driveway he invites her in she says no i'll wait in the car he says fine he goes into the house for a little while he comes back out and then he goes sorry i just have to get something out of the back seat really quick he goes into the Mm -mm, back seat mm -mm. behind the passenger seat Mm -mm. And then he wraps a cord around her neck and begins to strangle her. He chokes her out in the car. She wakes up. The next thing she knows, she's on the kitchen counter. She's tied down to the kitchen counter naked. And uh, she is blindfolded with tape so she can see underneath the bottom of it. It's not like material laying flat. Yeah, yeah. So she can see that she's on a kitchen counter naked. He's standing next to her naked. Oh, dear. And... um. Uh, he has set up a video camera on a tripod. So he's videotaping it. Oh, fuck. He proceeds to rape her on that table. Then he explains to her that he's a vampire and he, she feels a prick in her arm and he, he begins to <sighs> drain blood from her arm and drink it. How, how, what at that moment is she like, oh, fuck. Yeah. 
what level of so you're probably in shock when something like that happens to you but then i think things would just get real black and white like you just be like i need to get out of here now how do i get out of here how do i get out of here yeah so um uh so basically uh i I talked through that and then lost my place oh sorry um no no it's okay so um so then he takes her and he puts her in the bathtub and later that day he comes back he gets her takes her out of the bathtub puts her on his bed tranquilizes her some strong drug and rapes her again then drink drains her blood again and drinks it again oh my god brings her back to the bathtub um and uh the next day she wakes up and he does it again and then he tells her he has to leave the house but not to try to escape because his brother's there and he'll kill her if she tries to escape Mm -hmm. she hears the car leave and then she manages so she's now had her blood drained three times oh my god she manages to get up and to um it kind of stand and pull herself up to the tiny bathroom window that's above the bathtub. Can you imagine how dizzy she is at that point? I mean, and also just like <laughs> the amount of times I say I'm tired when I have done <laughs> fuck all all day long is shocking. And then I think about things like this where when you have to like dig from the bottom and like really power yourself through, oh. it's like, I hope I'm going to be able to do that. One I got up this morning and got really dizzy and woo 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 woo. Like, and I hadn't even done anything. And there's no blood stolen from my person. You've got 100% of your blood? I have 100%. 110. No. Probably. What if Elvis is drinking your blood at night? That's kind of cute. Yeah, that's how, that's why you're so bonded. Look, okay, he needs so. it. She pulls herself up. She sees that the lock on this bathroom window is broken. Nice. So she opens it up. And she fucking pulls herself up, somehow pulls herself up and shimmies out of this window and falls down to the ground outside of the window. This is Mary Vincent level badassery. Yes, it's amazing. And it's, yeah, it's just pure. Uh, she knows that this can't go on. Right. Like this isn't, she doesn't have time. Right. What I love is that she being told there's somebody that's going to kill her does it anyway. Because she knows it's, it's not bullshit. True. Yeah. It's fucking bullshit. So um, there's a cop in this uh, one of the uh like the shows that i watched about this guy a cop who says if you saw this window you wouldn't understand how a person got got out of it wow like she made herself fit through a tiny bathroom window and got out and that's when and then she crawled to the road and finally got herself up and when she started hopping they said a couple of there's different um on murderpedia a couple of the articles say different things but one says that a couple trucks passed her before no. anybody picked her up. And then finally that, that guy picked her up. Um, which also that, how yep. hard would it be to get into a strange, a yeah. strange man's car? Also, I have that, that thinking of, and this is probably from Goonies of like, what if it was the guy coming home that was the vampire? Yes, exactly right. You get into the car, the person that got you there in the yeah. first place. And it's like, to me, that's like the worst horror movie like, of like, like no, you it's almost him. made it. Yeah. Yeah, but she makes it. So um, the doctors at the hospital say if she had stayed there one more night, she'd definitely be dead because there's so much blood gone that they kind of are amazed she got herself out of there. So so she, when she got into the car, I told you that already, right? Where she said, remember that house, which is my favorite because it's just like she was on, she was like getting shit done. So they go. This girl is a vintage murderino. Yeah, she really is. You know what I mean? Yes. She's taking care of business. Yeah, she knows. She knows the signs and signals. Yeah. So she, they go back to the house and um, they have a, 
a, a search warrant to go back into the house. Sorry, I've completely lost my place. You might have to fix this part, Stephen. Uh, well, I'm impressed right now that you just like, I, I see you and I'm watching you and this is all off the top of your head. Yes, because I, it's so, when those ones happen where it's like, it's not just a standard yeah. awful thing, but it goes into the world of almost a cult where you're like, these people, it's when you see the house in the video, it's oh just a white house on the side <gasps> of the road I see that it. looks kind of nice. It looks like nice family lives there and inside is like, nightmare town beyond anyone's like you wouldn't even know what was happening to you if somebody was draining and drinking your blood yeah insanity yeah okay so police get a search warrant um of 39 year old john crutchley's home his wife and child had been out of town for the thanksgiving weekend uh-uh uh-huh so he's a family man oh, um my god when they get there they find the video uh camera equipment that she described but the tape inside had been recorded over had he already come home and he knew she was gone yes okay probably because yeah. the so this videotape is recorded over right um uh they also find and photograph stacks of credit cards in other people's names Mm-mm. and they find a pile of jewelry hidden in the back of a closet all women's jewelry um and so and they photograph that so they arrest john crutchley uh on kidnapping and rape charges um so the police in brevard county realize they have an advanced predator and this is not standard fare for them so they call the fbi and Good for them who shows up but robert wrestler so robert wrestler we've talked about a couple times but he's the famous fbi agent who worked in the behavioral science unit right. he worked there for years he's the guy that developed vicap that basically enabled cops to start communicating on a national database Dude. to put in the mo's of killers so that uncaught cold cases and uncaught crimes um that that people could enter them in and go is there anybody else that likes to drain the blood of young Jesus. women um that's robert wrestler what a badass motherfucker he should have like you know b-a-m-f you know what's the last letters of your name when you're like a doctor or oh whatever, yeah or like phd instead of md yeah M- he's b-b-a-m-f mm-hmm. badass <laughs> motherfucker um so they thank god they call him in and he immediately has a profile going for this guy and he immediately tells the cops this is an organized serial killer who has definitely killed before because you don't have a person that's this comfortable picking somebody off the street and doing this crazy shit in his home he didn't even take her somewhere neutral he took her to his home he's done it before this is this is the result of escalation not the beginning exactly right yeah this isn't for your first swing into i think i'm a vampire what should i do or i think i'm a rapist how do i do this yeah let me let me do what i want all the time so he and he also i'm pretty sure jack crawford from silence of the lamb is based on him he's the one uh, robert wrestler is the one that wrote a book called um whoever fights monsters oh yeah i was looking at that from another murder there's so much information in there yeah it's supposed to be the best book i've never read it though i'm gonna read it that's gonna be my next book me too let's fight together okay good should we listen to it i wonder if it's a good audiobook um i like the idea of listening to it let's do it it's so much easier it's so much easier i'm in my car so much more than i'm in my yeah reading room i promise your house will be so clean as soon as you get into an audiobook that you're into yeah that's the that's very true okay so whoever fights monsters by robert wrestler let's do a read-along everybody yeah um but he's also just the guy that like he put it he puts it all together in that super interesting scientific way Mm -hmm. where it's the guy that's like serial killers are 90 percent or more are white men between the ages of 28 
28 and 30, whatever. Like, that's this guy. Yeah. Um, those, those are fascinating when they're so correct. Like, he does this kind of business. He's in this kind of thing. He has this family. He has... It's just like... And then they find the guy and it's like, every, almost every time it seems like I they match. Exactly. And I keep thinking like, no fucking way. That's crazy. And it's too simple. And then it's like, exactly. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Robert Ressler, A+. plus. So, okay. <laughs> Excuse me. So they start, because once they bring him in and he tells them this, they start looking at missing persons cases mm. around Brevard County. And they find that there have been four dead, unidentified women's bodies that have been discovered in that county in the previous year. Wait, that didn't immediately ring some bells? No. I mean, I don't know how big that place is, but yeah, that's fucking insane. Yeah, in the area, they had, in the one year, four dead women that they didn't know who they were. I can't breathe. Um, uh, then... Wrestler notices that John Crutchley has moved a lot and changed jobs a lot. Mm. So they start looking at places he used to live. Um, they look into his last known addresses and they see there's a number of cold cases involving missing and un un the unidentified bodies of young women. Um, oh, shit. So they start like basically gathering up all this information. Um, so just a quick background. Um <laughs> He, uh, the, the saddest sentence that I've ever read on, um, on Wikipedia oh is, God. is about this, um, about John Crutchley. It's the beginning of his Wikipedia entry and it's born to a well-to-do family in Pittsburgh. John Crutchley was a friendless child, oh. <laughs> <sighs> a friendless child. Oh, how can that be? Uh huh. And also when you look at his picture, um, if you've ever seen the movie Rent, there's an actor named Anthony Rapp who has like strawberry blonde hair. He could play John Crutchley. He would have to get creep out makeup done and probably lose a lot of like, not that he's in any, he's perfectly fit person, but he doesn't have the same, uh, exact face, but he's basically matches that. So it's, he'll that, do it for a role. But anyway, it's, it's just, he looks, um, he has like panic eyes. He has dark eyes and blonde hair, panic which is scary eyes looking. Is such a good descriptor. Yeah. And also the really thick, like 80s, yeah. 80s aviator glasses, not sunglasses, but just glasses, yeah. glasses. The pervert glasses. Pervert glasses, but not transition lenses, interestingly <laughs> enough. All right. <coughs> Excuse me. So anyway, um, when he, so he went to college, he got his degree in shit. Where'd it go? Oh, I don't have that here. He got his degree in, um, in physics, I think, or something like that. Then he went to graduate school and he got his degree in electronic engineering management or something like that. His first job out of graduate school was at Delco Electronics in Kokomo, Indiana. And he left there relatively soon after because he, there was an investigation made by the company, um, into missing materials that uh -oh. they thought he had stolen. Huh. <coughs> excuse me um <clears throat> so just right away a lot of uh a lot of question marks about this guy so then he moves to fairfax county virginia in the mid 70s that's where his mother lived and he gets remarried he was got married in college and that that marriage ended relatively quickly mm -hmm. So mid seventies, he gets remarried and he works for several high tech firms in the DC area, including TRW, ICA and Logicon process. Systems. I don't know what any of those fucking things are. I mean, how could we ever? Yeah. Um, so about this time when he's working at these companies, several teenage girls in the area disappear. No. Mm -hmm. 
In Fairfax, Virginia, a 25-year-old woman named Deborah Fitzjohn went missing, and her remains were later found in a remote area by a hunter. She was last seen in Crutchley's mobile home. Oh, dear. Which I don't understand. If he's like an engineer at these high-end companies, why is he living in a mobile home park? Maybe it's a fucking, the Lexus of mobile homes. Oh, true. True, true. Um, From 1979 through 1983, Crutchley worked for a Washington-based defense contractor and had access to Norfolk Naval Air Stations. And during that time, a 23-year-old Navy messenger named Pamela Ann Kimbrew disappeared from the base on March 25th, 1982. She was later found dead in a car, submerged at the end of a seaplane ramp. Her killer tied her arms behind her with clothesline and then tried to strangle her. Um, there was a green ski mask and fingerprints that didn't belong to her or her boyfriend mm-hmm. in the car. And then a, a 21-year-old Navy, Navy clerk named Carol Ann Molnar disappeared February 6, 1983. Her decomposed body was found three months later, partially buried under rocks of a seawall at the Norfolk base. And she had been strangled. So there's all these cold cases around the areas where he lives. That's so many. And I've never heard of him. Yeah, I know. Well, maybe because of this. So, um, so when the cops go back in for a second, they get a second search warrant and they go in to seize all that stuff that they had seen on the first time around. That stack of credit cards is gone. And that pile of women's jewelry is gone Wait, they can't no, find it that's but they should have taken it and then the tapes are they can't find any tapes that have uh, stuff on it why um, right so because i think the first time around they're just like i who knows? like a search warrant isn't the same as like a search and seizures maybe <laughs> maybe there's got to be yeah. reasons and answers but it but they were i think it's that thing of they're taking pictures of it they know you have right it, but then it's gone anyway and it's that kind of like well you didn't catch me with it so there's nothing yeah. you can do um okay so anyway uh they were unable to find any hard evidence that tied him to any of those cold cases that I just talked about. Um, but he was brought up on charges of kidnapping, rape, grievous bodily harm for the exsanguination and um, drug possession. And he got those last two charges, a uh, plea bargain down in exchange for agreeing to plead guilty to kidnapping and rape. So they basically cut out the fact that he drained and drank her blood and um, the and the drugs he gave her so that he would just plead guilty and like they could move it along. Um, And in court, the defense tried to present him as only being guilty of having kinky sexual tastes and an interest in bondage. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They uh, referred to the 19 year old victim as a Manson girl who was, in fact, soliciting him for kinky sex when they met. Uh huh. Um, how did I know that would happen? That she was into kinky sex and she wanted it this way. How, like, how could they know that? No. How did I know that that was going to be? That's how they were going to turn it around. Yeah. Because yeah. that's kind of standard fare. Yeah. Where it's it's almost like the most offensive thing that could happen is the way they blow it up. So that now you're thinking about that instead. Like the idea that they call her a Manson girl. Yeah. Where it's like, it's 1985. Yeah. Like, she's not a Manson girl. This isn't the, this summer of love is long, long over. Right. And whether or not she's a sex worker, um, pretty sure that if she agreed to get into someone's car, having her blood drained out of her body and being held and repeatedly raped was in no way. Uh, and like, you and I could be called like serial killer girls because we're into like, you know, 
So maybe she's fascinated by Mer- by Manson and reads about him, but that doesn't mean she's like supports him. Like I read about World War II, but it doesn't mean I'm into Hitler. Yeah, but I don't even think I think they were just using that as a way to label mm-hmm, her. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, just to say she's basically throwaway. Right. It's just a different way to say she's trash, yeah. which is the bullshit part. Um, here's a bigger bullshit part. Crutchley's wife testified. No, I was wondering where she was. Uh, well, here she is, and here's what she had to say. She says, this crime is nothing more than S&M that got out of hand. Um, and they ended up bringing in he'd stacks of three-by-five cards of different women's names and the S&M and bondage, like, sex play that they liked to engage in. Oh, my God. Because he was apparently... Uh, did did it all the time and many of the people who had been sexual partners with him would testified that they got into it because they were into S&M and then he would not respond to the safe word and he ended up he would end up raping them or attacking them in a way but they felt like they couldn't do anything about it right. because the, it started out consensual right, for them right. and then turned to rape and there was nothing they could do Ugh. so they you know that's kind of an amazing thing is like that to be in a world like that where it is actually all about this kind of a cons- uh, the consensual agreement and the like it's an act of faith almost yeah and then the only thing they can do is that when it turns out he's a f- serial killer vampire they can be like that happened to me too yeah, i didn't go to the cops or i did go to the cops and they were like wait so so you answered this personal right. ad or whatever yeah it's like if you're a drug dealer and you get robbed you're not going to go to the cops and be like i was dealing drugs and i got robbed yeah that's right not that that's the same Anyways. Yeah. Anyway. So the wife comes out. She says that. And then she, uh, in refer- in reference to this 19-year-old girl being tied down to mm. a kitchen counter, raped, and having her blood uh, drained, the wife says that this had been a, quote, gentle rape, devoid of any overt brutality. She wasn't fucking there. And I, that's what she is testifying in what court. What is it? gentle rape it's insanity is what it is also after the trial this same wife told reporters that she couldn't quite understand what the fuss was since her husband was just quote a kinky sort of guy dad Uh dad honey so here's the good part okay when they sentenced him Based on Robert Russler's testimony at the sentencing hearing, where he says, this is absolutely an organized serial killer. We just haven't found the bodies. We're like coming in on the back end of his run. Yeah. And, you know, and basically in all the profiling that he gave, the judge in this case chose to exceed the state guidelines Mm. on rape and kidnap charges and sentenced John Crutchley to 25 years in life to life in prison with 50 years subsequent parole. Fuck yeah, do you did, dude? Yeah. And then Robert Ressler calls this after the after the um sentencing's over and he goes to jail. Robert Ressler's like, yeah, he's gonna get out early on good behavior. That's how this goes. Ugh. And that's exactly what happened. <gasps> he served eleven years. Eleven? What does twenty-five to life mean? It well, if you're a good behavior. Right. If you don't, if you don't kill anyone in prison. So he serves 11 years. He gets out in August of 1996 on good behavior, but the, the state, the city officials of Malabar Mm -hmm. and both Malabar and Fairfax, Virginia are like, you're absolutely not coming here. You can't, you can't live here and you can't come here. So, um, he has to go, they put him in a halfway house in Orlando where he has to then live, serve out his 50 years parole and begin to pay the restitution okay. that he owes. Yeah. And 
Well, the day after he's released from prison. I hope this is what I think it is. He tests positive for marijuana and is arrested. It's not what I thought it was going to be. No, but, but that's great. We're close. Um, and because it's his third strike, the first being kidnapping and the second being um, rape, pot is his third strike. He goes back to jail for life. Shut your fucking mouth. Uh-uh. So what I think happened is like the cops knew, especially because of Robert Ressler, they're just like, this guy's going to slip through the cracks because rape isn't that big of a deal to our legal system. And so they just stayed on him. They tested him. The pot that was in his system was from a party they threw him before he left jail. So he had smoked pot in jail. What? Oh, so, but I wonder if like, are you on parole yet in jail though? No, but you're, you're, if it's still in your system when you're on parole day, on day one, Shut up. you test, you test positive for marijuana. It doesn't, it doesn't matter, matter when right. it got into your system. Wow. You're not allowed to have it in your system. I you shouldn't have that. had it at your party in jail. Dude. So he goes back, he goes back third strike. He's in jail for life. Um, and then in March of 2002, he's found dead in his cell with a plastic bag over his head and he died of asphyxiation. Wow. But we don't know if it's suicide or not. Mm-mm. Um, but of note, uh, and I think this is also, this is the fascinating part where I wish I was better at research. I wish I take, I took more time and I wish there was like, I didn't really find that many, um, that many articles about this in particular, but I would love to know when he was arrested, he was found to be in possession of a great deal of highly classified information about naval weaponry and communication. What? Unnamed federal agencies other than the FBI considered opening an espionage case (gasps) against him. And his employer, Harris Corporation, was involved not only with NASA research um, and launch facilities at Cape Canaveral, but also with other naval contractors and subcontractors. So he was stealing information, and that's why he got fired initially and sharing it with fucking the Russians. They don't know. Probably. (laughs) You just rewrote that ending. Well, yeah. I mean, what it is is we know that he is a thief, aside from all these other ways that he's a criminal. He has no problem stealing shit from these. And and he is... He was a very, very intelligent and very successful, like, computer engineer. Engineers are not stupid people. No. Over, across the board. No. So, that's why they were, you know, Russell was saying, there's many bodies that are his responsibility that we just haven't found because he's so organized and he's been doing this so long. And his, back then, when you moved around a lot, there was no way to trace anybody or anything. Um also, in 1989, Crutchley's uh, former lawyer stated that he that Crutchley was prepared to confess to at least three murders <gasps> and lead um, police to the burial sites, but that negotiations between Crutchley and the prosecutors fell through. So he just didn't do it. What happened? It was like he wanted too much, or yeah. I don't know. That's another thing that's fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they think... Uh, I think that the thing on... Murderpedia has victims like zero to 30 plus in terms of murder victims. They just, they, they could associate him in all these places that he's lived with girls just disappearing, but they don't know for sure. Dude. That's, and even if it's like, okay, a few of them wish someone were murdered by someone else, that's still an insane amount. It's not going to be half. It's going to be at least, you know. Yeah. Shit, dude. So Crazy. say his name again. John Crutchley. The vampire rapist. rapist. Okay. Yeah. I had never heard of that one. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. Yeah. That's so a crazy. Good one. 
I thought he was going to get stabbed to death in prison. That's um, what I thought was going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he, uh, maybe he immediately, like when he was in high school, he used to fix people's stereos for money. Oh no, yeah. So maybe he like just was one of those people that used all of his like his uh, abilities definitely for other people. Well, know. I can't imagine prison inmates throw at just everyone a goodbye party with pot. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like that's not for the guy. Like not everyone gets a cake and weed. Yeah, for their goodbye. Yes, he claimed that they blew the pot in his face. Uh-huh. It was not his fault. Yeah, so my cat says that too. <laughs> um, remember knowing people who did that to their pets? Yeah, it's the creepiest thing it's of all so time. Horrible. What's wrong with no, you? No, he likes it. Today I have a present for you. You do. It's an angel of death. Nice. Yeah. So I've been I've been looking up this specific angel of death for a couple weeks now, like on and off. If I want to do him, and it's just kind of, eh. Um, so yesterday I was at um, like a little Memorial Day gathering, and someone brought this one up that I'd never heard of, and it's in the news like today. And I and so I looked it up, and I'm like, this is perfect. Okay. Um, so this is Janine Jones. Do you know her? I don't know. She's the angel of death. <laughs> so Janine, which everyone, I don't know if everyone knows this, is a nurse or doctor or some kind of me- medical professional who kills their patients. Yeah. Okay. So Janine Jones was born July 13th, 1950. She grew up in Northwest San Antonio. Uh, she was adopted by a nightclub owner, and oh. he owned the Kit Kat Swim Club, <laughs> which, like, you know is the best place to be. Swim club? I don't know. Yeah. A, a nighttime swimming club? I don't know if there's <laughs> anything to even do with swimming. Please. I want to go to this club. There's a pool in the middle? Who knows? Yes. Let's open it. Yes. Yeah. Night swimming, lights off. Oh, my God. Neon shit. You know, it's so creepy. What? We just fucking ate a Kit Kat. <gasps> no, That's really true. Joke. Such a delicious Kit Kat. What are the chances from the Seattle show? If you gave it to us, no. There. Oh, and they were Canadian. They but they knew you love Canadian Kit Kat, so they yep. got you Canadian, which are legit better, so much better. Okay, so he, her, her father managed the club, and uh, her adopted mother Gladys spun records at the turntable. So they sound like a fucking fun time, awesome couple. Was this in the seventies? This was in uh, probably fifties, sixties, seventies. So if, uh, somewhere around that doesn't say. Her mom's the DJ and her dad's the club owner. Yeah. And so, like, oh, I think it's as a kid. So it was probably in the 60s. Like, they sound fucking tits. Yeah. Why aren't you? Cool. They adopt four kids. They sound awesome. Um, One of the brothers died of cancer and another was killed by the explosion of a bomb he had made when they were young. Oh, no. Yeah. So Janine worked as a beautician and then she attended uh, nursing school in the late 70s. She was super smart. She scored uh, more than 200 points above the passing grade on her licensing exam, on her nursing exam. Shit. Um, And so after school, she began working uh, as a licensed vocational nurse at Bexar County Hospital in San Antonio, which a licensed nurse is like not an RN, right? Right. It's I think it's a step below. Yeah. Uh, but I could be wrong. No, you're right. Because okay. they kept talking about that. So I think you're correct. Yeah. RN is like the thing. My, my mom was an RN. Yeah. So she was real judgy about other <laughs> medical assistance and stuff like that. Yeah. Or she would get very offended when people only had medical assistance and not nurses. Right. Or if they assumed she wasn't an RN. Right. So uh, very few people ever did that. Though. <laughs> yeah. She had a real RN feel about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Her. yeah. 
Well, I think this chick did too because a lot of people thought she was, but they, she was put in the eight bed pediatric intensive care unit. Uh-oh. And the RNs basically said there were babysitters, which is like, and she was just like, fuck that. Um, she knew a lot about anatomy and all these smart things. Um, so Bexar County would send its critically ill children there when they couldn't afford a private hospital. So they basically didn't have insurance and they were like, you're off to this place. Oh no. Yeah. Which is just like, let's talk about healthcare, man. Let's talk about it for three hours. (laughs) Let's get into it right now. Let's solve it. Yeah. So Janine worked a three to 11 PM shift. And when baby started dying on her shift regularly, The other nurses she worked with started calling it the death shift. Oh, shit. And the other nurses were like, what's up, supervisors? There's something going on. But they didn't want to believe, supervisors didn't want to believe that the seemingly super dedicated nurse was hurting her patients. So they didn't even look into it. But then during. Yeah. It's like, I just don't want it to be this no, way. Yeah. She's like, really intense. Charge. Um, <laughs> she can't be. Yeah. Uh, so d- then eventually during a 15 month period in 1981 and 82, uh, f- 40, okay, wait, no, not yet. So f- during a 15 month period in 81 and 82, 42 children died while undergoing treatment in the pediatric unit. Ugh. 34 of those patients died during the 3 to 11 p.m. shift. Oh my God. And the, pa- the word patient, like these are critically ill infants. And like, yeah, children. Yeah. Um, and she had directly cared for 20 of those oh, children. Man. So the patients experienced uncontrollable bleeding, seizures, and, bre- and breathing problems that were uh, correlated to her. So in early December of 81, um, an infant named Josh Sawyer, Joshua Sawyer, uh, goes to the pediatric ICU after a fire destroyed his family's home. So uh, he's an infant. He was suffering from smoke inhalation mm-hmm. and he's suffering seizures and cardiac arrest. When he gets there, he's treated with Dilan- Dilantin. Dilantin, that's my medicine. That's a seizure medication, yep. right? Oh mm-hmm. my God. Uh, <laughs> I, I was that. legitimately excited to hear my. I was, that was, sounded sarcastic, but I was like, oh my God. No, that's, no, I'm excited for you. That's fine. Thank you. Me too. Do you also take phenobarbital? Phenobarbital, no. Okay. It's not like, okay. That's old, kind of. Yeah. Mine's a little bit old, too. They want me to not take it anymore, but it's <laughs> the only thing that controls my seizures. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I wonder if it changes, like, like when you change ages and you get used, you know? Probably. The brain is such a mystery. But it can't be fun to be like, let's try this one now. In the yeah. same way the antidepressants, it's like, no, please don't put me on a new one. I know it's going to be months of fucking uh, trial and error. Yeah, and mine, my trial and error was I would have half seizures and spin in a circle like a dog that was about to take a nap. <gasps> Karen, uh-huh. so I did it on stage a couple times, and you had to lay down, right? Yeah, because nobody I would just knew. Be turning and like looking. I would. It was like I was needed to look over my shoulder. Oh my god, I mean, they want to cry for, for you. like fifteen seconds. Oh my god, it's <laughs> fucking poor insane, baby. I've been through the mill. You really have. That's. <laughs> That makes me so sad for you. I love that I am, in no matter what the scenario, we could be talking about children being murdered, I can still make it about me. <laughs> and that's what this podcast is. Isn't it? Ma- my favorite making it about me moment. <laughs> my favorite me <meter>. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, that's good. <laughs> Anyways, back to this infant. <coughs> um, so he's on... Dilantin and phenobarbital and by his fourth day at the ICU the seizures had stopped and he was breathing on his own 
But his mother, Connie Weeks, at the urging of a friend, so she'd been bedside this whole fucking time freaking out after her entire house burned down and she's having a fucking seizure. No, panic attack, baby. Friend is like, get out of here. She goes home to take a a shower, change her clothes, like be normal, and also goes to see a movie, which is like, they want her to be distracted. Yes, and relax. Right, which seems hard. I mean, so in the theater, watching the movie, the usher finds her no and is like they need you at the hospital immediately because when she left he was like probably stable right jesus man so joshua's heart had begun racing a few hours after um after janine took over his care that day doctors were unable to help him and he died the following day after suffering two more cardiac arrests uh she was also on duty at the time Wait, she was on duty again. It's so like the next day at the time of the death as well. And blood tests done between his cardiac episodes that were overlooked uh, showed more than three times the therapeutic level of dilantin in his system. Eey. Three times. Mm-hmm. So the hospital started private searches finally to determine if Jean, which I think she was called Jean also, was killing patients. So between May and December of 81, um, the last of the hospital's internal inquiries found 10 children in the ICU had died after, quote, sudden and unexplained complications. In all 10 cases, Janine Jones was present at the child's bedside during what the report gently terms the final events. Ugh. So... Instead of, okay, but the hospital was in the middle of a public relations campaign designed to make over its image. (laughs) And so it didn't tell the police of the findings. Oh. Uh Uh-huh. Which were that, and here are the findings. Children were 25.5 times more likely to suffer a medical emergency and 10.7 times more likely to die during her shift. Fuck. Yeah. Tell somebody. Dude. (sighs) Alert the fucking... Media. Actually, I feel like the media is a great place to turn when no one will fucking listen to you. For sure. You know? Um, Especially independently. Right. uh, Owned a Rolling Stone, if you will. I don't know if that's... That's the end of Firestarter. When they're like running, running, running from the government and the black ops and the, you know, men Mm -hmm. in black and all that. And they finally, like, the dad is killed. Anyone? I haven't seen it in so I read it. I read it when I was like thirteen. Yeah. I was obsessed. Yeah, I me too. It's it been... gave me nightmares when I read it, <gasps> and I was like probably the same age as you. But at the very end, like they put the story of all of it into an envelope and drop it off at Rolling Stone. <gasps> That's the way to do it. It, yeah. uh, it made me so excited. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Anyway, That's when I was watching the Keepers. I was like, you know, they start talking to a journalist, and it's like no one will listen to you. Bring all your evidence to like some badass investigative journalist how about that fucking journalist by the way i love that man so yeah, much from yeah. the keepers he is a genius they are so important yeah they're uh, amazing and there's a resurgence of them now that we all realize that journalism is very important oops we need them yes badly so instead of letting everyone know in march of 82 they're all like all right you know what we're gonna do instead of telling anyone about janine we're gonna take all of those nurses that were on the icu and upgrade them to nursing staff so they all get the fuck out of there. No, no, no. They, they take all of them. They say they're upgrading to nursing staffs to only be registered nurses in that section and they kick all of them out. Okay. So all the nurses who were there get kicked the fuck out. Yeah. They offer them jobs in other parts of it, but this is the way to, f- to just not fire her. Um, and all of those nurses, including Janine, were given good recommendations. <laughs> 
even though proof that it was her well they went through this whole thing and i think they did but they were just like didn't want to have a pr thing this is very much how the catholic church would have acted yeah right Mm -hmm. just move them around and move them around put them somewhere that they're not around children anymore like yeah it's somebody else's problem yeah okay um in, in her recommendation letter she was described as loyal dependable and trustworthy yeah. So five months later, she takes a job with a pediatrician, Dr. Kathleen Holland in Kerrville. Kerrville, probably. Kerrville. How's it spelled? K-E-R-R-V-I-L-L-E. Kerrville. Yeah. This is the part in live shows where they would start screaming at us, all I of know. us, and we wouldn't understand a single fucking word. It's <laughs> So in a period of 31 days as she's working there, seven patients in eight separate medical emergencies had to be taken to the hospital. In a month? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Because here's the thing. It's such an ob- obsession for her, I'm assuming. She she knows, like, this is a way smaller, like, playing field. This, you'll, it'll be so much more obvious. And she yeah. does it anyway. She can't not do it. Yeah. It's so crazy. Well, you know, is it the thing of, like, what is the thing? Does she want to look like a hero? Is she, does she have, yeah, she wants to save the day. It seems yes. like a lot, which is a lot of the reason they do that. Most yeah. people do that. Right? I believe that's what it is. It's yeah. like they, it's a, right? It's, it's that, they were naming some things. It's that, it's putting the quote, putting them out of their misery when it's like older people, which isn't true because this other dude I was looking up just killed like people who came in for like a broken arm or some shit. Yeah. I don't believe the putting out of their misery because I did that British doctor uh, I can't remember, yes. but he did the same thing. And it was people who were not in misery. Right. There was nothing wrong with them. Yeah. He would just liked killing people. Yeah. He liked the control. And actually, you brought up misery and Firestarter. That's weird. <laughs> it's said that sh- this one, Janine, is one of the, um, what Stephen King wrote misery when he wrote Annie, Annie Bates? Uh, no. Uh, Kathy Bates is the actress. Kathy. Annie... I can't remember the character. That's one of my favorite movies. It's so good. We need to watch. It's so horrifying. It's she's the scariest fucking thing in the world. She did she win an Emmy? Oscar? Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> she should have won both, man. She should have swept. She should have gotten a, what is it called? The uh, Glad Awards? No, what's it? Not I didn't mean you know what I mean? Listen. The Tonys. Yeah, but what's it called in 30 Rock when you win all of them? Egot. Yeah, the Egot. <laughs> Bubba's like, in 30 Rock. Bubba's is like, <coughs> bitch, get your shit together. <laughs> um, um, okay. Okay, takes a job, 31 days, seven patients. The doctor in the office then discovered puncture marks in a bottle of, here we go, cyclochlorine. Cyclochlorine. In the drug storage where only she and Jones had access and contents of the apparently full bottle bottle supposed to be full later found to be diluted so basically she's a teenager taking the vodka <laughs> bottle and fucking out of the freezer is this you there's yeah. some story of like that i some roommate was like some girl had a roommate took her vodka bottle it fell out of the fridge and broke no 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 the, the vodka was frozen which yep. it doesn't do which means it was all it was water, water at that point <laughs> there it is <laughs> something ridiculous yeah that's the best yeah so basically she's a monster so this drug which i refuse to say again is a powerful paralytic that causes temporary paralysis of all skeletal muscles Fuck. as well as those that control breathing so a patient can't breathe um, while under the influence and in small children cardiac arrest is the ultimate result due to lack of respiration. Mm. Uh-uh. One of those children, 
at this location was Chelsea McClelland. She died on September 17, 1982. She was a 15-month-old. She went into a respiratory failure after Jones injected her with what was supposed to be routine immunizations. So oh. you go in to get like cholera, whatever the fuck they immune you for. Yeah. And check, she fucking dies. Ugh. A powerful, blah, 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 blah. it's usually used as general anesthesia for surgical patients. So she's charged with Chelsea's murder, but the prosecutors decided not to file charges against her in the death of any of the children she was suspected of killing because they thought that the 99 year sentence that she got she was found guilty, 99 years sentence. Plus, she also got a 60-year sentence for giving a four-week-old four Rolando Santos a large dose of the blood thinner uh, heparin. But he survived, so she, but he got, she got another 60 years and they, in 1984, and they were like, well, she'll never get out, so we don't really need to prosecute her for any more people. Right. She'll be in jail for the rest of her life, right? Yeah. Nope. No. No. Aww. All right. So... Today's what the thirtieth we decided. Today is the thirtieth. Okay, that's the truth. Um, <laughs> so on. Oh yeah, I mean, I guess you know what I mean. We decide now. Yeah, we decide. Oh, we didn't tell you. On May twenty fifth of twenty eighteen, so a year from basically a couple days ago, she's sixty six years old. She's supposed to be eligible. She's been eligible eligible for parole since eighty nine, but is re- repeatedly denied because she's a monster. But she's going. She was set to be released from prison after serving one third of her sentence. So in a year, wow. Yeah, and it's because here we go again with Uh-oh. good behavior. Uh-oh. Texas had Texas created a law called good time the good time law, which is which is not a good time mm. probably for the victims, uh, which was created to combat prison overcrowding. Allows inmates convicted of a violent of violent crimes between seventy seven and eighty seven to be released if they have a record of good behavior. Like let the dude who got caught with some pot go. <sighs> yeah, that's just it. You know, it's that's just it. You had meth in your pocket that you were using. It wasn't enough to sell. Who fuck let him out? Yeah. Who cares? Right. Compared to the people who clearly have a mental illness compulsion to, to, uh, what do you, exact bodily harm on their fellow man. Who have no empathetic tendencies whatsoever. Who, if you're, I'm sorry, but if you're over the age of 21 and you commit murder, you know, you've thought this through in some point. At some, you know, you're not going, the, the rehab thing is so hard to think when it's people who have murdered systematically murder people in cold blood and systematically murdered infants think about so, that you were in charge of that your nurse it's part of your i don't know if nurses take an oath or i bet they do they bet though they do. it's part of it it's part of going i'm a medical worker i'm gonna act like i'm gonna stand in family member watching your child yeah. while your child is at the most vulnerable point it could possibly be it's almost yeah it should be worse when you agree or you are supposed to be taking care of someone or making them live yeah yeah because but, the yeah. thing is we know she's been in jail say for 30 years whatever it is and she gets out of jail that thing that she has has in probably no way been addressed Mm-mm. of i need to be it's just her life is dedicated to making just like serial killers they kill that's what they do they have to do it and then it's that chart you, you you have to be a charming manipulator to get away with this thing for so long that I don't care how much therapy you've had in prison. You're a charming manipulator. You're not going to fucking exercise that out of someone. Right. I don't care how good of a therapist you are. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I don't care. And I don't care. Maybe you're better. Maybe you're not like that anymore. You fucking still have to pay for the crime you committed. Yeah. I don't care if you're a fucking saint. Well, and also it's the thing of trying to get things because there's so much backlog in the system. Mm -hmm. They're just trying to get things moved through. But it's like, you know, and hopefully this when like they come upon this for like the parole board or whatever that's taken into consideration this isn't a person that just like accidentally hit somebody with her car or intentionally hit somebody with her car in a crime of passion this person who systematically murdered babies it's also that thing of like uh yeah so the parole board said no because they looked at the evidence and realized time and time again that she shouldn't be out what is the point of our judicial system who gave her 99 years for this horrible crime if you're just gonna override it yeah you know like it makes people not as scared to commit crimes because it's listen hey listen listen look Look. and listen (laughs) listen look here we go okay so good behavior because of because of this Brexar, Brexar County prosecutors were like, hell fucking no. A couple of years ago, I think they found out about this. They launched a secret investigation into her time as a nurse. And when they realized that she's going to be released, they believe that she, she may, they estimate that she may have killed as many as 40 to 60 oh, fuck. suspicious deaths under her watch. She killed your grammar school class of children. <gasps> I had yeah. 63 kids in my class. Okay, so, uh, okay, I thought you meant in your, not in your own class, but, like, in multiple classes? No, 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 in, like, grammar school. Yeah. I'm just thinking, like, our sixth okay. grade class had 63 kids. Yeah. It would be as if she went through and systematically, secretly poisoned every single one of them. Jesus Christ. As babies. As babies i'm trying to put out there i'm gonna put a metaphor out there that only i can relate to no that's a good one because i wouldn't have known what to do like what to say like I'll, they killed the amount of people who were at the pool yesterday like no but that doesn't make any sense right, Yours right, is right. Better. yeah okay so on so on may 25th a couple fucking days ago in t- so 2017 Brexar County District's Attorney's Office announced that she had been charged in the 81 death of 11-month-old Joshua Sawyer, the kid who got <gasps> killed because his house burned down. Oh. So they went back to that poor kid and charged. Uh, she they charged her. So I think they she's just going straight to the other county. Um, They're just basically transferring her to another prison, and she's yeah. not getting out. So she would have gotten out, and she won't. So. Uh, District Attorney Sam D. Millsap Jr. Um, oh, Ronnie's nephew. Who's <laughs> that? Well, it's a deep cut for all the uh, middle-aged people. Ronnie Millsap is a country singer. Nope. Oh, you've told me about him. <laughs> no, I haven't. Who's the guy that you told me about who was in... Um, Mickey Gilly? <laughs> yeah, who was in the show we like. Call, oh, Fargo. Mac Davis. Okay. That's Mac Davis. But actually, same school. Okay. Same, like, class Got of it. people. Someone, yeah. some middle-aged is losing his mind right now yes. that you said that. Perhaps Ronnie Millsap himself. Oh, my God. <laughs> and maybe Ronnie Millsap was blind. That's something we could look up. But why? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why do we... We're, we're not worried about facts right now. This isn't a fucking country music podcast. Yeah, listen. Okay. Sorry. Start your own podcast about country music if you really want to know You're so facts. goddamn interested in his life. Um, so he, this dude, Mel Sapp Jr., he's six months into an investigation um, 
of the county, Bexar County Hospital, which is now called, um, bu- 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 nope, okay, which is now called University Hospital of San Antonio. Mm. And everyone's like, I went there. <laughs> um, so they changed their fucking name. Yeah, smart move. So he is looking into why no one stopped all of these. So like holding them accountable. Oh, yes. Thank God. Yes. Um, Ooh, that's a bad one. He says he's focusing his criminal investigation not only on Janine, but also on the hospital for its inactions. So Josh Sawyer's death, the sweet kid, th- one of the reasons they're able to prosecute it now and why they have such strong evidence is because Joshua's mother kept her son's medical records for more than three decades. And she said, it's all I had left of Joshua. She said, uh, everything else was destroyed in the fire. Oh, no, I'm crying. You're crying. <laughs> I don't know why that gets me so it's bad. so sad. It's so goddamn sad. She has, she walks away from that hospital with nothing. And so she keeps these records and they probably didn't have them anymore. You know how those records things go. Exactly right. And also... It's just that fucking hospital put their own image mm-hmm. above human life, which is the opposite reason to have a hospital. And it's somehow so much worse that it was children, in a, it, children, children. Yeah, it's almost worse. I mean, no one is better than the next, but it's so heartless. It's well, they just have no. They, they couldn't even fight. It's not like yeah. somebody, they could go, what are you, why are you putting that needle in my arm or anything? Yeah. It's just like, I don't feel, so they can't vicious. even say, I don't feel well. Something, you know, it's this thing of, um, yeah, it, it could have been stopped at any time had anyone taken the time to do their job, which is to protect the patients, not the hospital. It's like the do- the people who could have uh, investigated what was going on there, who worked there, it wasn't, they didn't own the hospital. Right. It's not like they needed to worry about the image of the hospital. Right. And also, I mean, it's a fucking hospital. It's not like you just started a PR company. Yeah. People are going to go to the hospital. Yeah. They have to. Yeah. You fell off a ladder. You have a, you have a blade of, um, y- you know, a knife in your arm, whatever it is. It's not like you're like, oh, don't go to that hospital. Well, I did. They that. had some issues. I went to Hollywood Presbyterian because I needed help immediately. And that place, I don't want to talk shit out of school and on a podcast, but <laughs> that's what you're doing. That's what I'm doing. All I'm going to say is don't go there. Bad news. <laughs> Very. Is that the one that's on Western? Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. Vermont, Vermont. On Vermont. Yeah. Down by the Wendy's, right? Yeah. Across yeah. from the Wendy's. Yeah. Wow. That everything is. <laughs> Shut up, Stephen. That's what, that's how I measure all things. Wendy? The how closest close Wendy's. Is. Yes. What's the closest one? But I knew immediately. Yes. <laughs> yes. Do you do that too? Yeah, well, I've been there. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing worse when you're in, like, when you're in a bad spot. And it's so weird because having a nurse mom growing up when we would have to go was like my mom worked for Kaiser. So we just always go to a Kaiser. Yeah. Like the, the, we never didn't have insurance. We never didn't have coverage, Definitely. all of that stuff. And my mom used to harp on me when I didn't have insurance after they took me and my sister off there. Right. And were like your adults get your own. And I didn't, of course. And then she'd be like, you have to get insurance. Yeah. And I'd just be like, what for? Why? Well, then when I had my seizures, I didn't have insurance. And I went to Harbor UCLA in Torrance. <laughs> and it was horrifying. Ugh. When you, the, it, you don't want to go to a county hospital without your insurance. Well, look and listen, they're in poor, <laughs> they're poor neighborhoods. That Hollywood, you know, Western and fucking Fountain is not the center of 
Beverly Hills. And all the bad shit that happens in that neighborhood, people just get dumped right. at those hospitals. It's not that they're bad people. It's not that the people that work there aren't talented. Yeah. It's that they're the ones that are like, almost like it's frontline style where they're just seeing tons of stuff all the time. Yeah. It's rough. Listen, Burbank Urgent Care, shout out. Hey. Um, so that's the story of Janine Jones. She's the angel of death. Wow. And thank God they fucking swooped right in right in time and kept her off the streets. Because you know, like, yeah, they'd be like, you can't be near children, but that shit falls through the cracks. Also, then she just is going to do some, she's going to like start this is my theory but she would then start driving for meals on wheels and suddenly people you know what i mean she would totally. she doesn't need a hospital to poison people to death oh my god she would just go do it some other way because it's a compulsion that yeah. hasn't been addressed i'm sure or fixed in her in any way i wonder where it came from because it feels like there's sh like maybe it's her brother's dying maybe it's when she was little i mean there has to be and she was married and had two children yeah. I forgot to mention that. Like, so she had babies at one point. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Something happened like in her life because aside from a mental illness, obviously when it's, um, I read a lot more about less about angels of death. Cause they just, I find that they're so straightforward that mm -hmm. it's like, Oh yeah. That's why the other one I was just like, I don't know if I can do that. It's just kind of, it's just plain sad, yeah. but it's interesting because it's very similar to the Munchausen's by proxy yeah. where, and that's the real one where oftentimes it's mothers poisoning their children mm -hmm. and they're, they get so much out of doctors and staff members and everybody worrying about them, pitying them. It be, they become the focus Important of the attention. People. Yeah. Well, the thing too is that she was saying that her first, the first patient she ever had to ICU was an infant who died on her watch and it broke her heart. But I wonder either she killed that infant or the attention she got when that happened, having been this child's nurse at the time yes. was so fulfilling that she couldn't stop because maybe, you know, she had just been a perfectionist before that, or maybe she had just, you know, it's that thing of how people, some people love having the, um, the approval of, people who above them they're yep. you know so like the doctors and, and rns were like commending her for how she dealt with it and, and comforting her and comforting her yeah yeah it's <laughs> so fascinating Have you seen that horrible video in a they put a video camera hidden in no don't want to well can't say the word slowly no. so i can stop you i'm not gonna say it what the is kid it survives the kid survives but is it a b babysitter that abuses the child no it's a that father. one i can see i can still oh, see in my head and it's so horrible me too and i can't watch those yeah. um no a father they put a video camera in there because they knew something was going on and in the hospital in the hospital room where the little girl was sick he puts his body on top of hers and tries to like stop her from breathing and a nurse rushes in and catches him and he gets arrested because he had munchausen's yeah he was making her sick. he's trying to smother her yeah holy shit i'm sorry are you crying no 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 why not <laughs> i can't do you have no i used it all up on that the idea of that the only thing you have left of your child is medical records it's just like i know oh, but God. but how triumphant for her well thank fucking god yeah because then it's, yeah. Half oh, my those God. Yeah. Half those podcasts we listen to that are, like, investigative reporting is them trying to get whatever basic medical records or crime records, what are yep. they called? Yeah. That they can't, that no one will give them. That's so all of the them. keepers is them going, I'm sorry, how do you not have yeah. these records anymore? Yeah. How do they not exist anymore? There's a lot of floods in basements of police 
<laughs> stations. So much flooding. There's a flooding is a what's it called? It's a common problem. Yeah. Or it's an epidemic. Yes. Anyways. <laughs> well, it's been, wow, that was great. That's been two hours of my favorite murder. Wow. Really? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. So because that was horrible. And actually, I did not think this through of what my thing was from this week. Yeah. You go first. No. Okay. You said you had one. I do. And I didn't think it through. <laughs> totally didn't. Okay. I met my friend's brand new baby yesterday. <laughs> I swear to God, I didn't do that on purpose. And for a minute, I thought I had done a different murder. I was doing a different murder. Oh, my God. I was know. it Kurt's baby? Yeah. Yeah. Kurt was, and Lauren. I didn't go because I was sick. Oh. I, was oh. Like, well. I would have passed, harassed you didn't coming. I know. No, uh, I, I mean, I didn't want to be around a baby and have this, oh, like, right. disgusting cough. <laughs> you should have coughed on the babies. So I went to my friend Kurt and Lauren's house yesterday. Uh, they have the uh, Wedlock podcast on Audible. It's great. Everyone listen. And... Uh, this baby, it's like two months old, and it's so weird to see your friend's face in a baby. And I kind of, and the baby is laughing with me, oh. and this baby is so chill and sweet and has these like dark gray blue eyes. I mean, she's darling. Her name's Olive. And I was for a moment like, I want a piece. So I turned to Vince and I said, A dog or a baby, pick one. <laughs> so I think we're going to get a dog. <laughs> That's exactly the way you should make decisions like that. Oh, yeah. Nice. Ultimatums. Yeah. You can get a dog with blue eyes. I can get a baby dog. Yeah, that's too. right. <coughs> right. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, what's yours? I can't wait to see that baby. Oh, cutie. Um, I mean, we did mention it. I guess I will say this. We did mention it very briefly on the mini-sode that you and I went to a therapy session yeah. together. And I have to say, it just made me... First of all, it made me so happy because we both know how to be in therapy. So we Ugh. got to, we cut to the chase really fast. Yes. I was just like, this is what we need. We have to like, whatever. But it made me feel so fucking mature and like, like we're not, it's not like there's a problem we have. We're trying to prevent a problem because yeah. we are in a very, we're in rare air. No, we can't go to anybody that go, and go, Hey, have you ever gone through this before? Because no one that I know has in this specific way. And we basically, we, of course we have Steven, but we just have each other. Well, we've, and in front of, we've argued in front of Steven before <laughs> sweetly with his face <laughs> pretending to write stuck in the, so. where we just, ha it's just this, it was, it just felt like such a, pro, like we were just a, getting at the problem without being, we're just like, let's solve this. And we both are self-aware enough to know that we have fucking issues yeah. that make us hard. Both of us hard. I know makes me a hard person to deal with. Same here. And I am aware of that and totally okay with that. Yeah. And I want nothing more than to be a better person. Yeah. And improve myself. So instead of it feeling like, oh, we had to go to therapy. Yeah. It felt like now we're going to do this really smart thing. So Like smart. hand in hand to yeah. help to make sure that we don't wreck. Because my thing is just like, there's been so many things where I've just been like, fuck this. Yeah. And walked away because it was too... I couldn't communicate with the person. It was too hard. It was too infuriating. And I've done it. I've done it. And I haven't walked away. And I have serious issues from that. And I don't want to go through that again. I'm older and wiser. And the thing that I really love about both of us is that <laughs> I could well, I could say and you could say, we should go to therapy. And it wasn't an insult. And it wasn't cutting you down or cutting me down. Yep. It was just, and it's the same thing with couples. It's couples relationship with therapy. Exactly. Which is like, let's do this before it gets fucking horrible. And we have to backtrack for years. Because you, 
it, it's just such a fascinating thing. First of all, I'm deeply in love with our therapist. Oh my God, he's he amazing. Was, it was like a soap opera star came to be our therapist. Yes. Like he's beautiful. And then he would just go like, we'd start talking and I could hear us telling the story the yeah. way we told it to each other, the way, like, here's how this story goes. And he'd go, I'm going to stop you for a second. Yeah. And then instead of talking about the plot line, yeah. we would have to talk about the feelings oh. that the actions brought up, which yeah. is what I hate and what I always get called on because in therapy. Because the, the actions don't matter. Exactly right. It's what you were feeling when you were doing them. It's, and it's what it brings out in you. He's making you share yours, but what? He, so you are understanding your feelings, but what he's really doing is making you explain them to me yes. and me explaining them to you, which yes. totally helps. So there was like genuine revelations where I was like, oh shit, like we would have never talked about this while we were having a fight about this other thing where it's like, I just appreciate it if yeah. you would do this thing or whatever. And instead what we're just doing, we're learning our backstory yeah. so that we can go, Oh, this, this is that thing she does. And, and it's so not next personal. time we get in a fight, if I do this thing, this is why she's responding to me this way. And you know what I love? And I hate when they do this is, well, you start telling them your feeling, tell her. Like, you're supposed to turn to me and tell me you're... And I'm like, I don't want to. He didn't make us do that, No, did he? Yeah. he didn't, which no. I appreciate. I'm sure he will eventually, but I think he knows right now it's too hard to do that. Well, and also because we kind of were. That's also... Yeah. I guess the part I loved is you are such a good partner in that way. Thank where, you. like, when we were talking about this stuff, at no point... Was there any shutdown? Was there any... It was just like, we started to be like, well, this is the... This is what you know, I'm worried about, or this is whatever, like, this is the bad pattern we're in. Mm -hmm. And we both brought it together. It and like, both of us were like, oh, yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. There, because we've both been in therapy for so long. There's no like, both. Un and I've been in couples therapy. Like, I understand how it's supposed to work. Right. Which is great. And there's no reason for you to be like, that's not true. Because that's, and he said at the end, which we should tell people this. Yes, the best. Which this fucking changed my thought process so much. Me too. I'm going to say it wrong. You say it. He said, we can stop thinking about these things in terms of true, uh, right or wrong and start thinking of them in terms of true for Georgia, true for Karen. Yeah. So what you think is right is just your truth. And it doesn't mean you're right. Or wrong. Or like wrong. That we can just practice moving on. There it's was just true like for that. you. It sounds so like, it's not like we were having these huge problems. Yeah. It's like we would get, we would, everything would be great. And then we'd try to discuss one area. Yeah. And so we were like, let's fix the area before the area becomes, spreads to the rest of everything else we're doing. It's like getting a bikini wax. <laughs> Preemptive bikini wax. Before it gets down to your knees. Before you have to go to the pool the next day. And you're like, why didn't I get a bikini wax? <laughs> So you anyway. try to do it yourself and your legs are red. Yeah. Ingrown hairs all over the place. No, you got to get some Russian lady to do it for you. Oh, yeah. At Burke Williams. Yeah. Um, guys. Guys. That was an overshare for sure. No way. There's no such thing. All right. Um, well, thanks for Wait. listening. The overshare was the bikini wax or the therapy? <laughs> no, just, I don't know. No, nothing. Oh, because we, I think the bikini wax was an overshare. Oh, okay. But not the. I thought it was a good metaphor. I think so. I, I think support you. you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys for listening. You're all fucking sweet baby angels. Um, thanks for your support. All of it. Stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Elvis? You want a cookie? <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. Okay, I think I hid some in here.